welcome to the Dignity and Respect in Action podcast. This series is brought to you by the UMass Office of Equity and Inclusion and features members of the university community and other experts in the field of diversity, equity, and inclusion. In these episodes, we'll learn about the work and experiences of our guests and gain insight from their expertise. Your host for this podcast is Dr. Nefertiti Walker, and Vice Chancellor of Equity and Inclusion and Professor of Sport Management in the Eisenberg School of Management. And now, here's Neff. So welcome to Dignity and Respect in Action, the podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Neff Walker. We have a great podcast for you today that I hope you will find to be very informative. Dr. Corey Griffin, who is the Director of the Faculty and Staff Assistance Program here at UMass Amherst is joining us. Dr. Griffin, welcome to the pod. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so glad oh, to be here. Absolutely. We're so excited to have you here today. Um, so we like to kick off the pod by just having our guests share a little bit about themselves. Um, specifically, what brought you to UMass and what do you do here at UMass? Okay. Um, well, I actually started working at UMass uh, 21 years ago. I did my internship year. Um, when you get your doctorate in clinical psychology, doing a year of internship is part of it. So um, I did it at, it wasn't CCPH then, it was UMass Mental Health. It was in Hills North, which is no longer with us. Um, and I stayed in college mental health after that, working with students at UMass and then at uh, Hampshire College for a little while. Um, and then it was kind of you know, a little bit by happenstance that I ended up shifting into working with faculty and staff okay. at first part-time at FSAP and then moving into the director role later. So um, even though I'm, I'm from New Jersey originally, I've been floating around Western Mass for a, a while now, a long time. Okay. How did you get into the faculty side of things? Um, it was... I, I feel like in careers, a lot of things happen a little by accident. I feel like yeah. that's good. And it was, you know, I'd gone halftime when my first child was born. And mm -hmm. then when I was ready to move into full-time, this opportunity opened up and I, <clears throat> I was intrigued by it. It was, it was kind of a neat shift to be so focused on the student experience mm -hmm. and then to, to kind of see how a university works from the other side, um, from all the people kind of making it happen every day and just the wide variety of people who, you know, come in every day and, and yeah. create an experience for students. So it was a neat shift and maybe one I was ready for to kind of um, move a little older in the group of people I was working with. Yeah, and I would imagine your experiences working with students allows you to see the intersection of some of these issues, right? How students intersect with faculty and staff and uh, how that might impact um, the experiences that people are having on our campus. Absolutely. It's sort of funny, you know, students come in and they, they should feel that they own the experience. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, some do and some don't, but they, they feel like it's for them. But of course, they also come and go and yeah. the, the faculty and staff stay. So that's sort of an interesting dynamic to just feel out. Um, yeah, the, the visitors versus the people who will stay. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. So you're the director of the Faculty and Staff Assistance Program. Sometimes we call it FSAP um, here at UMass. This is an excellent resource for our campus, but can you tell our listeners about some of the services that you do provide through FSAP? 
Sure. Um, and uh, just as a little like preview, I actually think we're going to be changing our name. I know that's a UMass thing to do. Um, <laughs> and it partly is to highlight what what we do, because mm-hmm. um, I think our new name is going to be um, the Employee Counseling and Consultation Office. Mm. Um, we're wanting to raise up the fact that we do counseling. That's really our yeah. primary um, thing we do. It is short term. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes people really just come in for almost more like a consultation for themselves, just a one time to talk through one issue or to kind of just get our perspective on something or just mm-hmm. an outside perspective. Um, but we offer short-term counseling and we've been lucky not to have to put a specific limit on that. Um, the idea is for it to be either short-term or intermittent, I would say. Okay. There are people I've been seeing for years, but they just stop by once in a while when things are tough or when they want to talk through an issue. Yeah. Uh, when people want weekly therapy or every other week therapy, then we help them find a clinician in the community. Okay. Um, and so we can kind of be either a good option for some people really don't want ongoing therapy, um, but they still want uh, um, to be able to talk to a mental health professional about things from time to time. Um, But also people who really want something um, uh, more long-term or more intense, but they've, you know, never done it before or want to know how to think about picking a therapist or kind of want to put their toe in, we can be a good start for people, people like that. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the new acronym then? I, I forget the name. Echo. That you just, Echo. Echo. Mm-hmm. Cause the acronyms are important on our campus. They are. And FSAP's awkward a little bit. That was, you know, it was partly yeah. to, you know, um, sort of come out of the closet that we do counseling. Yeah. Um, and also to maybe have a nicer acronym. Yeah. That's a really cool acronym actually. Echo. I'm a little envious of that one. Thank um, you. I stole yeah. it from another campus. I now can't remember what campus I stole it from, but yeah, I liked it too. That's really cool. So it's been a really challenging year. Um, I think we can all admit to that in um, almost two years at this point. I think two years and you know a couple of months for our faculty, staff, and our students, really our whole community. And we've seen a lot of need for, for counseling and personal assistance have you experienced a surge um, in requests for assistance since the beginning of the pandemic? And can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, our numbers are a little bit up, but I would say more how we've seen it is intensity levels are up. Mm. Um, and so I feel like, you know, at various stages of the pandemic, people came with more many stressors that they were managing, both the transition with the pandemic, um, you know, more family stress, more work stress. Some people had a lessening of work stress by getting a little bit away. Um, so yeah. some people had a little bit of relief. So it wasn't, it, we all had such different experiences. That's interesting. So, yeah. and that would speak to perhaps the culture and their physical workspaces here on campus, right? That getting away from, uh, either the job itself physically, the space that they were in, the people that they were around gave them some relief. Yeah, I think so. Especially if you have tension with a supervisor, sometimes getting into a new space and just focusing on the work Mm -hmm. um, can help lessen that um, 
some people yeah. had an increase of tension with a supervisor who was worried they were not working or get yeah. got more micromanaging or something like that. Um, but but for some people, I definitely saw that. And, and you know, and we're in the middle of a, a sort of revolution in work um, where we're considering how how much do people need to be in the office? Yeah, so it, it, it kickstarted a lot of thoughtfulness about um, how do people work well? How do people live mm-hmm. well? Um, yeah. So that's a whole bigger topic. Um, uh, it's interesting. I there's a Washington Post article that came out maybe last spring um, that spoke about basically they did some research on um, women in particular, but really sort of you know focusing on Black women in the workplace yeah. and how once Black women went remote a lot of black women experienced an increase in job satisfaction and uh, because they weren't dealing with the microaggressions of being in their office. So it yeah. sounds like something very similar to what you're saying, which, you know, when we think about climate and culture on our campus and we think about trying to create a culture of inclusion, there's direct alignment with how people are feeling and probably the, the intensity of the issues that you're dealing with based on the climate on our campus. Yeah, ab- no, absolutely. There's, there's, um, a lot of good evidence that people of color feel um, an, an increase in work satisfaction at home, um, and yes, and that 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 that's um, it speaks to just how creating your own kind of life environment can be so powerful for people. Yeah. Um, it also opens up a question of like, then how do you connect as a campus um, if you know? So I think um, as I worked at home, I did feel in a way more connected to my my family, mm-hmm. um, and it's it was kind of lovely to see my teenagers a little more often, and that became almost my they became almost my coworkers, right? Yeah. And so, um, how do you have that maybe benefit, but still feel like that UMass connection, and um, especially for new employees, I think that's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. It's one thing to like put in your time, deal with whatever crap you have to deal with, and then kind of get out for a while and do work at home. That's different than if you've never spent time yeah. this or got to meet yeah. the community. Yeah, that is, that is the million dollar question is how do we balance those things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so how have you adapted the FSAP soon to be ECHO program yeah. um, in response to the pandemic? Well, I, like everyone, um, we had to uh, get used to Zoom and that was a huge transition. So we are still doing most of our work on Zoom um, and some phone appointments. Um, And I would say that transition went way better um, than I had worried it would. Um, I certainly worry about um, what is lost when you're not in the room with someone Um, especially therapy can have a lot of quiet in it, um, Mm -hmm. and being physically together while someone kind of processes something is a big part of that. So how do you do that on zoom has been a question. Um, and I think, right. So that's been the main transition and I could talk about that a lot, but then there's sort of an interesting access issue. Some people I think found it easier to access our services, not having to take so much time 
yeah. away from work, they could, if, if they had privacy, and again, this was easier when people were at home, but if you have access to privacy, you can hop on a session and then get back to work. That's huge for people. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, at the same time, not everyone is comfortable with Zoom and maybe the same groups on campus who don't use our services that often are maybe also the least comfortable with Zoom. So um, yeah. not wanting our practices to kind of cut people out um, and just thinking a lot about that now. And and like everyone dealing with change, like at, a, at what point are we gonna be back fully in person and things like, like that. Um, yeah. I think I, we had to get more flexible already compared to kind of like a general therapy office we um we're more flexible we don't always do a whole hour of a session or um we might operate a little bit differently but i think even more so some people during the pandemic really just wanted to check in with me for 20 minutes yeah like this is what i'm struggling with this is you know i'm trying to take walks i'm trying to you know talk to family and um, by. They didn't necessarily want to process everything. They wanted um, more a place to check in. So um, kind of trying to meet people where they were in a different way. Yeah. Um, and I focus a little more. I, I sort of didn't list everything we do. We do kind of do workshops and groups. Some. Okay. And during the pandemic, um, I focus on a few group areas. Like we did a group for parents. That was interesting. Parents they so want to connect with each other and they, they don't have time. Yeah. Trying to like give them the opportunity to connect is like really hard because they, they, they can't always make use without kids. Right. It feels, and I, so I have a friend who recently um, she has two young kids and Uh she talked about this need to connect with friends and also people that are all that are parents and how uh, the only time she can find to connect with other parents is when the kids are around. So yeah. the play dates sort of things also turn into these, um, not therapy sessions, but sharing sessions between yeah. them where they're talking through some of their issues and they're feeling that connection of, you know, what other people are going through as parents, but it's impossible. She said, it's impossible to do that without the kids around because their kids are so young. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, in some ways, it can make things socially easier because, like, the kids are there distracting you. But then to get deeper, I think, is really, yeah. really hard. You need um, to be able to focus a bit. Yeah. And yeah. I we also did a really sweet group for people living alone during COVID. Mm. Um, and um, that, was, I, that was, like, a good chance for people to connect. And it, it was just a you know, it was, it really illustrated to me all of my work, how everybody's experience was different and how hard it could be to connect around that. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's groups of people wanting to complain about what it's like to be home, but then there are people working on campus that whole time, or yeah. there are um, people who feel like totally closed in with too many family members. And then people who are really dealing with like a lot of aloneness. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there were, um, it was a shared experience, but not totally. Um, yeah. 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 Thank you for that. So those are some of the, any other workshops that, um, have transitioned or differed since moving remote or since the pandemic? Yeah. I mean, um, so we've always done, um, 
kind of going into people's just kind of their staff meetings and doing okay. a workshop maybe on like yeah. stress and resilience. That's a big one people want. Yeah. Um, Zoom has been a sort of nice way to do that. Um, I've, I've liked that. Um, yeah. And I'm interested when things get more hybrid and some people are here, some people aren't, how, how we'll do that. Um, yeah. And um, so, uh, and I'm trying to think, that's like the big one. During the pandemic, I think, a lot of people wanted to hear tips on kind of how to manage it, but also just to have reflected back to them what they were experiencing. Too. Yeah. Um, people were doing their best. People did need tips, but also people needed to hear like, this is just really hard and no one's doing this in some magical, perfect way. Yeah, for um, sure. And so that's always the risk when if you if you hit people with too many tips, you can sound really condescending. Like mm-hmm. people are living their lives the best they, they can most of the time. Yeah. So no, that's a really good point. So with everything going on in our lives, particularly in this moment that we're in now, um, I think is can be difficult to prioritize our own mental health um, and well-being. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about why it's important to prioritize self-care? Um, and then are there things that people can do in their daily practice, everyday lives um, to care for themselves and to and their colleagues? Mm-hmm. I try and think of self-care um, a little bit in a, um, a holistic way in the sense that there are things we do to kind of um, rest, to signal to our body that it should calm down. And in these times, I feel like that's very, that's really important. Mm-hmm. And those are some of the things people know about, like making sure you get exercise, um, finding time for something that's calming, you know, meditation is big right now, but then a lot of us don't know, could we really meditate for half an hour? I'm, I can't, but I have taken up practices of five minute meditation, mm-hmm. things like that, accessible things. Yeah. Um, and I do find it pretty powerful actually. Um, and, um, and, and for a lot of people, they, they just don't take the time to do the things that they know will make themselves feel better. So there's that kind of self-care, but I do kind of, um, from a positive psychology perspective, want to think about kind of how do people build a life that's fulfilling, which isn't mm-hmm. just about reducing stress. Some, some stress is worth it. Um, we do, we put stress on ourselves because maybe we're doing work that's important to us, or um, maybe we're fighting for something that's important for, to us. We don't want our lives to just be small and calm. Um, yeah. And so sometimes self-care looks a little different. I, I'm actually pretty, I'm good at relaxing. Sometimes the best self-care for me is to get things done that I've been procrastinating about so that that relaxing can feel a little more full. Um I think and, you're speaking to me now. I think this yeah. is a, this has turned into my therapy session. <laughs> uh, I absolutely need to be better at getting stuff done on my list so that I can actually relax, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. So, and and some people sort of um, want things in their life like um, more connection mm-hmm. that takes a little work. Like, um, yeah, again, like I. I can always binge watch a television show, but maybe what I, what I need to do is like, make sure I'm reaching out to my sister or friends to like, get that, that connection. So some of the things, some things that are self-care are, are a little more work. Um, 
And so having an area of your life, you're trying to build on maybe not everything at once, maybe everything yeah. at once, but kind of think about kind of where your unhappiness is and building on it is also a kind of self-care. Um, yeah, that's so um, affirming because I think about my experience over um, at least the part of the pandemic where there was no vaccine so early on in um, 2020 and um, the early part of 2021, I can think back and I had a friend group of colleagues that are both in my field, um, a few colleagues that work here at UMass, and we got through sort of the uneasiness and the chaos of the remote work life and the constant watching the news and seeing what's happening with the, the pandemic by just our group chat. I mean, yeah. we were talking all the time in this group chat and then we started working out together. So we would join these like, you know, 6.30 a.m. workout sessions three days a week where we jump on our machines and, you know, we can't see each other, but we're texting like, are you up? Let's get going. And then afterwards, we're like, oh, that was a tough workout. And then we get right back into processing what we were going through in the moment. And we all have partners and families at home, but we needed a little bit of distance to process that in a different way, right? Because we all had different responsibilities to our, our families at home in different roles. But in this friend group, we could just be whatever. We could just sort of unload on each other, right? And now we talk about now that we're at a place where most of us are back in the workplace and um, we're sort of living um, a life that isn't in isolation as much as we were, we talk about this this friend group chat that has lasted. We still have the chat is not as not as active, but we're still talking to each other. But we have talked about how that absolutely got us through um, our professional and personal lives by, again, it was a lot of work. Um, it didn't necessarily relieve any stress from us, but it allowed us to process in a very different way. Mm -hmm. that's, that's amazing. That's such a lovely thing that you had and have. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what a lot of people I think want um, is that kind of support from friends. Mm -hmm. But I, I appreciate what you're saying that it took work too. It took commitment. And, it did, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we I mean, we committed to working out with each other and we committed to texting each other and engaging. Right. And if someone wasn't engaging, we checked in on them and maybe they were just having a really rough day because they went grocery shopping and it took them an hour to wipe everything down. Right. Because it was that point in the pandemic where we were all freaking out about it, you know, the, the COVID, COVID being anywhere. Um, so even those things, we now look back on them and laugh, but it was absolutely necessary for us to process in that moment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and again, that speaks to what we were talking about, about people got more chosen communities when they were working mm. at home. And I think that's part of what people liked about it. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And, and distance in a weird way didn't matter as much, right? Because it yeah. was as hard to talk to your neighbors as it was to talk to old friends who are across the country. So I, I think a lot of people did reconnect with some... Um, kind of their long-term friends. In yeah, yeah, absolutely. So how can people contact FSAP, um, which will soon be ECHO, to request a consultation or a workshop? Um, still um, by phone. Um, mm -hmm. And I could save the phone number if you want. Or, um, but Yeah, you please. Know, I, I'm going to say it you. you can call yeah. our phone, which is 545-0350. Um, and I also... 
a lot of people just email me directly. I'm CAG at umass.edu. And sometimes in these days, that's the fastest way to, to reach me. But, but you know, our, we check our phone all the time. They're both fast. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but some people find email easier if they feel comfortable with that. So yeah. those are the two main ways. Dr. Griffin, is there anything else that you would like to share with us today? No, this was this was great to get a chance to talk about what we do. So thank you. Absolutely. It was a pleasure talking with you again. I felt like there were a few moments where I was processing and going through a, a counseling session myself. So thank you for that. <laughs> um, and the listeners for having to endure that publicly. But no, I, I a lot of what you said resonated with me um, individually, and I, I'm sure that it's going to resonate with a lot of our listeners. So thank you. Great. Thanks for having me. So again, remember, you can reach out to FSAP and for support by emailing cag at umass.edu or by calling them at 413-545-0350. If you are experiencing a mental health emergency, please call 911 or crisis services at 413-586-5555. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in today to Dignity and Respect in Action. If you enjoyed today's podcast, make sure to hit subscribe. I'm your host, Neff Walker. Until next time, take good care.